Did you know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, my name is Dana Shrigal. I'm a kinky wellness coach and owner of The Partition, home of kinky wellness. Each Monday, I bring on a guest to discuss why kinky sexual wellness deserves a seat in the wellness conversation. You can catch my solo shows on Wednesdays, but let's jump into it. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of The Partition Podcast, the number one place to catch all your kinky wellness information. Today is a special episode because Lala from Lala's Bedtime Tales is back to dive into the hidden powers of erotic writing and audio. Lala, once again, is a sexual health educator, sex and relationship coach, spicy romance author, and erotic storytelling podcaster who is passionate about helping individuals embrace their sexuality and take control of their love lives. Without further ado, let's dive into this empowering conversation with the one and only Lala. Hello and welcome back, Lala. How are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? Good. I'm glad to have you back because today we're going to be talking about actually erotic writing and the benefits of it. And so this will be super exciting. So I kind of want to start with how did you get into erotic writing and where it brought you to where you are now? Yeah, so I've always loved erotica and I've always enjoyed writing. And I had a therapist that as part of my healing process with the sexual trauma experience she said since I loved writing and since I loved erotica what if I wrote my experience in a way that I found healing where I could take my power back in a safe space and write sex in a way that I wish it would have happened and so I got started there as kind of an exercise to help with my sexual healing process and then I just really enjoyed it. And I started just writing it because like, it was kind of like therapeutic as a form of like journaling. I would take sexual experiences that I didn't like. And I'd be like, oh, if this had happened and this had happened and it helped. And it also helped me as well with my own sex drive. Sometimes if I felt like it just wasn't matching my partners, I would read and then I would write like how I want the sexy scenarios to play out and then that would help turn me on absolutely well thank you for sharing and it now when she first brought it up was it a little weird writing about it or was it something that you know it was it, it was weird so through my therapy with which I'm still working on through the sexual healing she suggested this book called sexual healing with Wendy Maltz is who it's written by, or Whitney, Whitney, I can send it to you as Wendy Metz, maybe. And she talks about writing down your experiences to kind of help overcome what happened and then just getting it out there. Because typically when we can release it, we can de-stress, we can get it out of our mind. And so I told my therapist, I said, I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to write it down. And she was like, well, since you love to read erotica to kind of help you mentally ground, she's like, why not write your what happened to you as an erotica? And that did. That took me kind of like by surprise. And I was like, I don't know, because I feel like that's going to take something that mentally helps me and kind of warp it. But it actually did the opposite. It helped. So. And I think just being open about the other forms of it too. And it's a good thing to get it out of your head and onto something, whether that's through expression or writing or art, it's, you know, the things that happen to us, they're not supposed to just stay up in our head. I really don't believe that. I agree. It should not, it shouldn't fester. 
Yeah. So through that, you found that it was therapeutic and then you took it and you've kind of just been spreading that awareness to everybody about it. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, so what would be like the first things that people can start to think about? Cause it might bring up some like negative feelings around it when you first start. So how do you just kind of get around that? Yeah. So I always like to say too, when people hear sexual trauma, they always think immediately about sexual abuse and sexual assault and sexual trauma isn't always limited to those two things. And it could be like big or small and look like sexual shame or undersired humiliation or degradation or anything that stays with you that you can like can't get out of your head that can make sexual experiences bad. So I always like to say just kind of like take a moment like for instance I had this boyfriend that shamed me because I couldn't orgasm from penetration but I could orgasm from him fingering me and he just acted like that was the weirdest thing ever and so I read it I read about like you know women coming to orgasm in erotica through just fingering and so I would put myself into that perspective and I would write it that way so I always like to say take you can start off with something that isn't necessarily the actual abuse that happened. It could be somewhere that you felt like you were sexually shamed and you need to heal that. So you can start with a s- smaller trauma per se and just write through the exercise that way. And I always like to use erotic books that I've read in certain sexy scenarios. And then from there, let my imagination run rampant, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And just to your point about like your ex-boyfriend there that's crazy you know I just find with some our sexual education on how women orgasm is just so fucking broken like it's just so broken because there are men and they're just people in general that really just think that it's penetration or like I don't know it's just but they really believe it and to a point like it's kind of not their fault because that's how the education system has been structured but it's so fucking broken oh my god it is like he would act like it was just like a oh my gosh thing. He'd be like, It's just my finger. I don't understand. I'm like, okay. Oh my gosh, there's other parts of the body that we can use. That's I know, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> you know what? You could use your fucking nose if you really wanted to. Like if you got it rubbing there in the right ways, like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, because people do, do that during oral sex, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like it's just but he just thought that penetration, since that's how he orgasmed, that's how women should as well. So Yes. Well, I think that that's the thing too. Like I think women and just people in general, if they wrote out how they want to orgasm, that could also help to visualize what you want to do. Yes, exactly. And it helps you better communicate with your partner, your desires and wants as well. If you can get it out there and write it, kind of having an idea of like how you would act it out as like a scene or scenario with your partner to kind of get the imagination and juices flowing, I feel like helps as well. And I think it's also good to, sometimes we can be a little nervous, like we're saying stuff. So if you write it down and then you read it from a piece of paper to your partner, that can also help, especially when you're getting like maybe into the more risque things. If you think that this might bring on nervousness, you know, just write it down and then read from your paper if that's what you got to do. Yes, exactly. I love that. Yep. Yes. So we know that it can also help us get those things out of our head, but also what other benefits can writing erotica bring us? Yeah. So going back to kind of how I talked about it being therapeutic, it can also help with other things like anxiety and depression. 
So basically, how it does that is it helps provide you with escapism and exploration. And that can get your mind off of daily stressors and anything that might, that negative feelings that you might be dealing with. And once again, writing is a form of journaling and it's not even like just creative writing. It's just the whole phenomenal, once again, it's just getting the noise that it had onto paper. And so it's just a physical way for you to better understand your feelings. And also too, I feel like it's a way that you can tap into your imagination and you can just really, cause like, gosh, this is like kind of well, I feel like it's just more of a, like a freeing way. I do think that it is freeing because I think that you can write it out. There's no limits on it. And when you do use your imagination and you're just putting pen to paper, you're not hurting anyone. You're not doing anything like you really can just go into any realm. And so to your point about anxiety and depressions and things like that, and those type of feelings, writing that out as well and reshaping even how your day went could also help. Yes. And then as well as using it as an exploration tool, like if there's a kink or a sexual fantasy that you're interested in, Sometimes like you can read it or watch it, but it might not necessarily turn you on like you would expect. But if you write the scenario, how you think you'd want to play it out, it can truly help you understand whether or not you find it an ick or if you think it's something that you'd actually be interested in trying out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also fun when you can create like different characters and like yeah. these fantasy things that again, like it, it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else what you're writing down. It just has to make sense to you and whether or not that's a good emotion that you can get out. Yes, absolutely. So say I wanted to write my first kind of erotic story. What would be some key elements that I would need to focus on? So basically how I'll do it is first start with a fantasy location. So Anywhere, and that can be anywhere you think you could have the best sex or most adventurous sex of your life. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, an escape to, like, Cancun, Mexico or (laughs) Bali or somewhere like that. It can be just, like, the span of a bedroom one day with no kids for the weekend. So, fantasy location is always big. And then second, to kind of help develop the storyline, to, like, role play the scene, you want to choose, like, a sexy story trope. And so story tropes are really big in the romance writing community. So that's like your best friend's brother, billionaire boss. Um, You'll get like forbidden love, like stuff like that. And so from there, you can like come up with it. Like common ones are like hot CEO and secretary or enemies to lovers or rivals to lovers. And you can have like incredible like hate sex or like having the power dynamic things like that. And then third, I always like to say, like, pick a kink or sexual fantasy that you might want to play out. And oftentimes it could be like impact play or primal kink where this person is like chasing and hunting you in like a mask and writing that out. Then lastly, choose your characters. Like, do you want it to be like your sexy Pilates instructor and this hot masseuse that you have, like your partner or celebrity? And then you can write the story that way. So those are the elements that I definitely say are key to writing out like an erotic scene. And I like your point about the the story tropes, because the, they are fun to play with. And everyone does think of them 
like I, whether they admit it or not, like, I think that people think of tropes more than they care to admit, but it is something that you see, you know, the boss or like, you know, cause it's, that's what kind of what we've been raised on too. That's a yeah. lot in the media. So that's kind of fun. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so even like the location to start with, I think that's the crucial part. Cause I was thinking, Oh, like character should come first, but actually, yeah. Like, where are you even going to have this? Cause it kind of sets up the whole thing. Yes, absolutely. That's why I always start. Cause even when I like write my stories for my like podcast, I'm like, where do I want this to take place? Like, where's the sexiest place? Like I can think of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are there like popular words and phrases that typically get added into erotica? A lot of it that I've seen is more so power exchange stuff. So you'll see like good girl or daddy gets thrown around a lot. A lot of words, people will get very explicit. A lot of people from like reading groups, I mean, they hate the word like cock for whatever reason. Mm. Their preference is dick. So you'll see a lot of that is is a word that's huge. People don't feel like, <laughs> it sounds crazy to me too, but like, People don't necessarily feel like anatomical terms are really hot. So like instead of saying like vagina or something like that, you'll see a lot of the P words. So you'll see a lot of pussy and stuff like that, that people just find like super hot um, used in erotica. Um, And then you'll see like, I think the more vivid you can make it, the hotter it is, especially when you're like reading it back. So instead of going to like what we would call fade to black, where you kind of yeah, very minimum description. Like instead of saying, oh, they went to bed and they had sex or they kissed passionately. Like mm. you want to talk about it. Like you want to be like, he thrust inside of her, hitting her G spot. Anything that like, or even describe like if it's a, let's just take a heteronormative male and female, like describe like, how does it feel when someone's having sex with you as a female? Or how does it feel for the male? Like I'll pull in my husband and ask like, what does it feel like to you? Like describe to me how it feels to have sex, stuff like that. So I feel like the more descriptive you can go, the sexier the scenario is in erotica. Yeah. And, you know, even with some of the books that we've kind of gone over, there's a clear difference between the non-descriptive plays and scenes versus the ones that are really descriptive. And yeah, it kind of is a letdown when you don't have that buildup, like the whole point of the erotic part of this novel is that section and so when it's kind of like unless you're going for more like an entry level like beginner friendly you know not that spicy but if you are looking for the spice and it's not there then it's like what the like what what happened here exactly yep exactly because I feel like you want that like oh my gosh like like that I like call it like that butterfly feeling in your clip like where you feel like you're like throbbing you like want that where it's actually creating arousal and I feel like the more explicit it is the more dirtier the talk the more of a turn on it can become so yeah yeah and like even with the anatomical correct words like save that for the science and the learning like that this isn't what this is this is for entertainment purposes only like give me all the words that I feel fun to say like because yeah. it can be it can feel kind of clinical if you use those type of words like maybe that's like I feel like it can at least in my perspective if I was yeah. reading that it would seem like a medical journal or something yeah exactly and people like don't want that right like it's like I can go to my doctor and get those terms um so yeah and then also too like people I don't know like people people like really enjoy like calm like 
play. So like they like to read about like people pushing calm back inside of people, calming on people, like stuff like that too. You'll see a lot of that in erotic writing that um people really enjoy sexually for that fantasy. Well, I think the ejaculation part, when you see it visually, there's not really much you can go with it just because it's there. But if you're writing about it, yeah, like it's kind of like, this is a star too. This can be a star element of what the erotic is, if that's the point of it. Like, especially when it comes to like breeding kinks and things like that. Yes. That can be a definitely big one. Yeah, exactly. Which is funny because that this one group that I'm in, one of the books right now, it's a breeding kink. And they talk a lot about how they were like, they wanted her to hold their, you know, their cum inside of her like the whole day and stuff like that. So the different things they were doing with stuff like that and how they didn't want to waste a drop outside of her body. So, and like these women in this group were like, oh my gosh, that was so hot. And he pushes it back in her and holds it there. He, or he does like, oh, I can't think of a word for it right now, but um, I think it's like cock warming where he will like sleep with his penis inside of her to keep his cum inside, like, like eat that shit up so you know what i think people do eat that shit up like that like i just i love that the popularity of that is kind of going around because it's so funny but i do think that's hilarious yeah like keep it in you don't lose a drop that is that's that is hot yes but so okay there's those popular phrases now are there words other than atomically correct that people don't like like i have a one example when i I don't know. There was like a moment there where the word moist or something. People may, say, yeah, like no one liked that word. Is people that still, still hate that word. They still hate it. <laughs> they hate the word moist. Gamp for some reason. Like they don't like that word. Um, is there a reason why word? people don't like moist? Sorry. Yeah. Is there a reason why people don't like that word? I don't know. I think they, I think most people are just turned off with like the way it sounds. Like I don't know. Like, and so, and then another one that people outside of cock, another one that people get weird about, I, I don't know what, was, but there was this time, I think during COVID, a lot of the books they had like, which I think it was the time during Euphoria, she would use the word man meat. People hate that word. <laughs> man meat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. I can... <laughs> so I'm just like, okay. So yeah. And then like, also people sometimes feel like if things are too much described by food, as a comparison that can kind of turn them off as well so, yeah yeah it's just yeah so you don't want to go too descriptive to where people are like off put like some of those words so yeah also I feel like it kind of changes like we got to watch out because maybe one word that people used to like people might not like it tomorrow so we'll see yes like that's how I feel about the word cock like I mean I'm not the biggest fan, but like there are people who are like, oh no, I won't continue reading a book or listening to like the audio if they use the word cock. And I'm just like, like that's so random to me. But yeah, people don't like the word cock as much as they do dick. So I feel like I'm okay with it. Like to me, when I hear that word, it sounds strong. And so I picture kind of like a more forceful, like more masculine uh, scenario where there might be a little bit more control and that power dynamic. Yeah. That's not on me. Like that's, but that's always up my alley. Right. So like, that's my cup of tea. So I'm okay with that word. Yes. And then another word, people, you just keep making me think of words. So I know this word in like America for women, like throws off a lot of women. It's the word cunt. Like if people mm. like run out of words and they start using the word cunt, they're like, Oh my gosh. Like, who, what woman describes their vagina as a cunt? And I'm just like in my head, I have no clue, but that's another word that a lot of people find off. Yeah, that one's, I think, 
It's funny because it, I I think it's kind of the same way up here in Canada. It's a word nobody really likes it, but I don't. Another word I don't care. Again, it sounds strong, whatever, to me. But in the UK, they use it just as like yeah, like they just throw that fucking word around like no big deal. They don't care. Like that's just kind of. I feel like I know people that have introduced each other. Like this is my friend. Like she's such a cunt. Like it's just kind of a playful, fun word out there. So I guess it depends where you go. Yes, definitely. But yes, when it comes to rating a spicy book, I know that there's different rating skills. And I do want you to go into that because if someone's looking to make an erotic writing and they want to place it on the scale. So where does it start? What's the lowest and the highest? Okay, yeah. So I like to say, so this is all subjective, like in my opinion. So where I would sit stuff at level one spice in comparison to like where everyone else will sit it is like completely different. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna go based off of like how like the reader community and erotic writers place it. So it ranges from one to five, and you'll usually hear people say like level one spice, or it's like one or two chili peppers. So they use like the chili peppers as like a rating icon. And the spicy book rating system provides you with like the level of explicitness of the book's sex scenes. So like, for instance, level one is typically like fade to black. And so there's a mention of sex or it leads up to sex, but there's no like explicit sex scene. The author just alludes to it happening or the characters discuss it after the fact. And then level two, that's where you get into like slow burn, sexual tension building. And it may have like one or two scenes of explicit traditional or vanilla sex described. And then you get into like level three. And this to many readers and authors is when you start entering like the real spicy erotic stories. And it's like a little to moderate sexual tension buildup or a feeling of edging happening from the author to the readers. And then you'll get multiple explicit traditional or vanilla scenes throughout the book. And then level four is where you get some like light kink play and like 30 to 50% of the book is like sexually explicit scenes. And the story plot is really focused on the sexual awakening or their sexual interactions with other characters. Now, level five, this is where the book is like balls to walls of explicit <laughs> sex. There's probably more sex than story plot sometimes. And it's basically, we're talking about like 75 to 90% of the book being like sex. And it's usually where you see a lot of the intense kink play. And I like to tell people these are the books that'll leave you like dripping wet, like arousing <laughs> content where you'll feel you need to take like a cold shower after you do that. Like you're like, man. You're like, holy fucking god that was good yes okay yes. that's okay so that's interesting so four is 30 to 40 percent of the book yes yeah so yeah i guess that that really depends because if you do get a book and there's like one or two sex scenes in it that's yeah that's not that. exactly it's it's not yeah so that's usually where like level two is um when it's like maybe one or two sex scenes that's why but then like to me if it's not like extreme kinky stuff going on i usually set that as like a a level three so like for me <laughs> when I read like level one is like there's sex happening but there's not really anything out of what I would consider the norm and then when I get to like level three is when it's just like okay these are kinks I've heard of like this is hot level five like for me personally is like I have never heard of this kink before never thought about it <laughs> like how are they doing this like let me go look up what this <laughs> is. like so it can vary yeah, and I guess that it does. It's good to have a ballpark, though, estimate of between like what is one and one is five. 
But you mentioned that number two helps to build sexual tension. Now, when you're writing, can you give any key points of how to actually build sexual tension in a a written context? Yeah. So when I think about building sexual tension, I feel like it's kind of like what keeps you coming back when you're thinking in terms of television, right? So I feel like it's like the funny banter, like where you you feel like there's have you ever just walked in a room with two people and you've been like I bet they're fucking like (laughs) just from the way they like look at each other or like maybe say stuff kind of like they have these inside jokes that's kind of how I feel like it needs to play out in a story when it's building the tension so when you can kind of create that feeling like if they're saying different dirty things to each other that's making you think they're they would fuck like if they're given the opportunity time and place they would have sex and then like the kissing, but like someone's maybe interrupting or it feels like they're about to do something, but like the time and place hasn't presented itself. Or what you'll see is sometimes too, like a character could be sworn off love and they're like, oh, I've had the worst breakup ever. I'm like never going to like be with anyone again. But then they start talking about how hot and sexy they see this person, but they like need to stay away. But the more time they spend around them, the more dirty talk, the more flirting and banter, I feel like that builds it up where you're just like, oh my gosh, like fuck already or, you know. So I feel like if you can build that banter, describe the looks that they give each other or how they interact or how other characters talk about them together, kind of helps people better write when it's building that tension. Yeah, and I actually like your point about making sure to to, to describe looks because it kind of helps you focus on, you have to think about it. And I think that that would help you with almost like your nonverbal communication and picking up on social cues and just in general in your day-to-day. Yes, exactly. Right, because it does. And then also too, what I like too when you start writing is I feel like you get more attuned because you're watching more like how do people interact with each other? So you can add in that relatability when you are writing erotica, right? So if I'm like staring at two people, I'm like, okay, like they're on a, how do I know they're on a date with each other versus how do I know it's just two friends out? So then you can start putting that in, like there's simple touches, like different things I feel like that lead up to sex that aren't actually sex. You start understanding and exploring that more when you're writing erotica. And two, it helps you kind of zone in more on what you like as far as elements outside of the bedroom when it comes to intimacy and connectedness with a partner that can turn you on. Yeah. And I think when you're writing an erotica, it doesn't always have to, what you're, to your point, it doesn't always include just the intercourse elements. You do need that before. Cause it's almost the same way in life. Like if you run into a sex experience and it just goes right to the intercourse part and you miss the foreplay, like you miss half the half of it. And so when you're writing an erotica, you need to build that up. You need to have some sort of foreplay when whatever shape or form that is in, whether it's banter or the way they look at each other and the things they say. So yes, absolutely. And so we've mentioned that like, this is also fun. And I think that we should also focus on that too. Like it doesn't, as much as there's so much healing involved, I think a writing erotica can also be on the fun side, which also brings into our exploration. Yes, absolutely. Like, that's one of my favorite things too. Like even writing, like for instance, I'll bring in kinks I've thought about, but I haven't ever actually like explored and I'll write out those scenarios. And I feel like too, it's, and part of that is researching these other kinks and it can be 
watching different pornography to see how it plays out differently and what people might enjoy. And then also too, is asking people as well, like what kinks have, are they interested in? And just, I feel like that's fun. A part of the fun for me is just the learning and understanding the different aspects as to what turns people on, like what's their different sexual experiences and why do they find other things hot? And is that something that I would find hot as well? So I think that also too, is, it's just fun. And it's a way to connect with people in a fun and entertaining way to start that more normalization of talking about sex and making it more positive and putting it out there. Like one of my favorite things I'll tell people is though, like, I don't have any friends I feel like I can really talk about sex with. And I'm like, well, have you introduced erotica to them or any type of like spicy read? And you can like buddy read the book together. And as you start talking about the sex in that, that can normalize the conversation of sex in general, just between two friends. And normalizing sex is definitely a big one, right? So yes. that's, that's good. And yes, it doesn't always just have to be with your significant other. Like this is also with our friends, you know, you could, you got a girl, like you got a cousin or something, you got family members that you're like, Hey, you want to just do this? Cause that's another thing too. Like, I, I don't know, maybe this is my own personal opinion here, but the idea that like siblings or family members can't really talk about sex. We need to rewrite, like rewrite that because your sibling yeah. is the one that you grow up with the most. That's the person that knows you. So it shouldn't be that it's so segregated. Like just, yes. you don't have to be explicit, but it's just saying like, cause this is a natural thing that we're all doing. Yes. Yes, definitely. I grew up in a house with a sex positive parents. So she talked about like, you have to be comfortable talking about sex. Yeah. <laughs> she would just start talking about it. Um, um, she wouldn't necessarily tell you her experiences, but she would just talk about different things that her friends or people around her like enjoyed doing and stuff like that. So I definitely, and I, when I got into the real world and they're like, oh, you talk about sex with your mom, like that's, you know, so just, it does, it brings that normalization. That's super important. And like you said, the closest people to you are your family, like your siblings or your mom. So it does definitely make it more comfortable to be able to talk about all aspects of your life. with them. Yeah. And I think also talking about it can help you. Someone can call you out and be like, that's not normal or how you were treated wasn't right. Or yes. like, it's not just about like, oh, this is all positive. It's kind of like someone can be like, are you sure that that's what you want? Like you, they question yes. you, which is so, so important as well. So we're not so alone. Yes, absolutely. I love that. That is definitely, that's 1000% that can tell you like, that can be that outside ear and voice that's like, oh, I'm from outside looking in. I don't know if that sounds like you're necessarily enjoying that or do you enjoy that? And I feel like too, you can get that from books as well. Cause like there are like some sexual experiences, like I read about them in books and I'm like, why did that make me feel that way? And I'm just like, oh, because you know, it's something that happened to me that I necessarily didn't like, but I didn't realize I didn't like it until I was reading that experience of someone else, even though it was a fictional character, I was just like, oh, wait. So, you know, it can definitely um, make you think about things. Too. Yeah. And think about them. And also if like what you said, it's relatable. And I think when we do have a sense of real, when we can relate, whether it's a fictional character or not, there is a sense of like, oh, like that deep sigh of, okay, like, again, I'm not the only one. So that that's also beneficial. Yeah, definitely. Wonderful. And like we said, you can definitely use it as foreplay ideas generating, right? I think we said yes. in the last time we talked, you can, you can re read it and then act it out almost yes. like a, a play. Take this as a script. Yes, definitely. It gives you like role play scenario ideas, right? Like when I talked about the boss and the secretary, like it can start with you 
writing out that and reading it to your partner, to you guys buying the costumes and actually acting it out or listening to where like something's happening in like an audio book that's kind of a similar and you guys kind of getting ideas like that. And I think too, a huge part, which in the beginning, when I, like I have that brain for it, it's like a huge part of writing erotica is that it helps with like dirty talk and just relationship and sexual communication as well. And it helps normalize your sexual wants and desires as well. Absolutely. And to your point about erotic listening, like I know we all have busy lives and writing might take up a little bit of time if you are in a bit of a pinch here, but listen to it. Like we all have, you know, I'm pretty sure lots of people have Spotify or something like that. You can find all sorts of things on there where you can just like pop in some headphones and like do the dishes as you're listening. Someone like get the like they're just getting the best fuck of their life and you're just like doing the dishes like wow that sounds nice (laughs) yes exactly and audio erotica also has a lot of like mental and sexual benefits right because we do as women if you're a vulva owner um we do a lot of sensory mapping and mental framing and so being able to hear an actual sexual act typically allows women to get more in a better mental mindset to have mindfully present sex than if we were just watching like pornography or something like that. So it allows you to start mentally visually visualizing what's happening and it can get you more turned on that way versus if you were just watching it. Because at that point, then you can kind of put yourself more in the driver's seat of what's happening versus when you're like visualizing something. Yeah. And you know what? Erotic, like pornography, actually, I got into that like, like years ago. And I think that's kind of like when I switched off of like visual porn and moved into audio pornography and like the, they put in so much effort. I'm sorry. I listened to this one guy and it's just like the grunts and like the breathing. And I'm like, is this guy actually having sex right now? Like, is he actually doing this? Like, it's so good. And when you find someone who does it right, like, again, like you just close your eyes and you're there. Like you're doing whatever he's saying to you or she or wherever you're getting it. Yes. Yep. Yep. Because even with the same, just like with the erotic ASMR. So it brings in like that mental health, (laughs) that mental health benefit of ASMR. But I challenge everyone that if you feel mentally relaxed from listening to rain sounds or Tibetan bowls, like listen to some audio erotica. It can even be like porn without the visual and see how it relaxes your mind and helps you get a better night's sleep. Yeah, seriously. And you know what? I've never listened to ASMR version of this. Really? Yeah. Like, like- there's just one, this guy on YouTube, I can't remember, I have to go back and find him, but he does stuff with like lube and a condom. And it's so calming just listening to those Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to check it out. Do you have any other examples of that? So a good audio erotica, like app that I use that does it really well is Dipsy. Like they'll have it where like a man will actually even help you go to sleep. Like he'll start talking about all the sexual things he'll like want to do to you. He has this nice calming voice and he'll like do his moans and his grunts. But there are a few that I have like bookmarked and flagged that I can definitely say that I thought were really good. What's that app called again? I want what Dipsy, I want to so it's D I P S E A. And then also there's Tri Quinn. Um, these are two that you do have to pay a subscription for, but they allow you, they'll have like different voice actors come on and do different sounds and do different like erotic meditation. 
and different things like that. And it's it's hot and it's very helpful for those that might not want to read like a 400 or 300 page audio erotica book or erotica book. You can listen to these audio erotic sounds and scenarios. And even that, I didn't even know that there was an app that could do like, you know, sexual ASMR to put you to sleep. And while you're falling asleep, you're going to know everything that someone's going to do to you. That sounds amazing. So there it is. It's just sexual wellness and kinky wellness and like things you can do. It's so big. And I feel like with technology, it's just ever expanding on what level and like areas and apps you can do and where you can locate it. Yes, definitely. So you can't just use the excuse of like, I don't want to read a book. There's more than that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, there's, yeah, there's so much stuff out there underneath the sun that you can use. And there's even podcasts, like there's podcasts like mine and like other ones that actually do like erotic storytelling. And then mine, I bring in like the music and the sound effects so you can get the mental health and sexual health benefits of listening to erotica. Yeah, well, that's the truth, isn't it? So when it comes to just overall, what are some like things that you wish or you really want people to know when it comes to erotic writing? I think that erotica is an underrated tool for your mental and sexual health. It's a natural libido booster and it helps improve your sexual narrative, helps you redefine your sexual self. And it also helps you spice up the sex with you and your partner or partners. And then whether you read it or write it, don't be ashamed because it's good for your health and the health of your love and sex life. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful too. And I think that it doesn't matter what form it is. There's always some sort of shame that gets attached to sex. Like even in like, no matter what form it is. Yes. It's, I think just cause it's like people feel like, cause I feel like there's just this level of confidence and mastery when people feel confident in their sexuality and the most innate and natural part of themselves. Like if they can just tap in and really harness that, I feel like there's just a fear around what could possibly happen if people felt just, you know, free and liberated through their sexuality. Well, confident people intimidate people. Like yes. I do believe that. I, I When you walk in, you stand tall, you know who you are. And again, I don't believe that you really truly know yourself until you are connected to your sexual self. And so you walk with like a different sense of aura and you're like, I am here. I know myself. Like it's strong and a lot of people get intimidated and they just kind of want to tear you down. It sucks, but it's kind of the truth depending on where you are. Yes. And you'll see too, like a lot of times when you look at like patriarchal societies, they control a lot of what happens with their female counterparts through policing other bodies and sexuality. So if you feel confident in your sexuality, that takes away the sting of like all of the misogynistic slurs, like slut and whore and all that stuff. If you can just own that and know like, hey, you know, that's not what I am. That's not the narrative that you put on me isn't my narrative, so it doesn't matter. So I feel like that takes away that power as well. And I like your point that when you're writing, it doesn't always have to be some big trauma. And I think, you know, we um, I had Edie Nathan on the show a couple of weeks back and she says that too. Like there's like the big G, little G, big T, little T. Yep. And yeah, in the shame, grief, it could be a bad date. So what if you want to rewrite a date that could have gone yeah. better? Like these are things that you can take into your control. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation. I definitely, I really like the location story true pick a kinky to play out and the characters to start really writing something. But is there, what's big for you? Any big or new things that you're going to be doing? Yeah. So, well, if you go to my website at lalasbedtimetales.com and you're interested in 
erotica and you don't know necessarily where to start you can download a free best erotica's pick guide i go through like the different spice levels how to choose the best erotica for you as well as a high level of like what's the mental and sexual health benefits of it and then also too if you just want a free fun place to listen to like short hot erotic romance stories you can definitely listen to my podcast at lala's bedtime tales and then lastly, as a sex, love, and relationship coach, I have a workshop that you can purchase the replay of for $25, and it's a beginner's guide to spicy romance, and I talk about from everything that you want to know about what is erotica to how to use it to spice up your sex life with role-playing ideas how to dirty talk to your partner, how to rewrite your sexual narrative if you're trying to heal your sexual self, like everything in this like two hour workshop that you can also purchase for $25. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I will put all the links in the description as per usual. And for my listeners, I will see you all on Wednesday. You guys know what to do. Stay kinky. Bye.